was coming up now and established in the faith. So they had to bury the man in a hurry. So they found this sepulcher. They found this tomb. And they just throwed him in there. And somehow when they throwed him in there in a hurry, his body touched the bones of Elisha and he revived and stood upon his feet. You're talking about a revival. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Bibles this morning. Turn with me, please, once again to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 13. The book of 2 Kings, chapter 13. 2 Kings, chapter 13, move down, if you will, to verse 20. And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. It came to pass as they were burying the man that, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. And I want to continue with the message we started last week, one miracle short. When the Lord called Elisha into the ministry, He left everything that he had. He was 30 years of age. He left the world that he knew, his family, friends, everything, and followed Elijah. He sat under the tutelage of Elijah for some 10 years. And at a given point in time, he began to realize that he was being groomed to take the place of Elijah, who was one of the greatest prophets that had ever lived, at least up to that time. Elisha, although he had ten years of training, realized that education alone, ability alone, was not enough to fulfill the office for which the Lord was asking him to fill. The Bible says in 2 Kings 2 and verse 9 that he prayed and asked for a double portion of the Spirit upon his life. He recognized a need for the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. Church, if there was ever a time in our history, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our churches. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We all receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved. 
When you get saved, you're asking God to save you. Save you from the flames of hell. You're asking the Holy Spirit to come into your life to prepare you for heaven. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how old you get, how far along you are in the Lord as far as your education and whatever the case, you're not going to be perfect. Which means the Holy Spirit is going to constantly be working on you until the day that you draw your last breath. So the Holy Spirit's job at salvation is to get you ready for heaven, and it's a lifelong effort. When you get saved, you are justified. Justified. You are set free from the penalty of sin, which is eternal hell. You are set free from the penalty of sin. At the same time, you are sanctified, which means you are set free from the power of sin. Sin, the sin nature, is not to have dominion over you. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. He, he sets you free from the penalty of sin. He sets you free from the power of sin. And the Holy Spirit at that point in time, when He comes into your heart and life, He is going to direct you in the way you should go. Amen. He will direct you as to what church you need to go to. He will direct you into what kind of music you need to be listening to. He will direct you into what books to buy what preachers to listen to, who to hang around and buddy up with, and who not to buddy up with. The Holy Spirit, He'll also tell you how to dress. He'll, he'll lead you and guide you. Paul said, if you'll walk after the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in that, sanctification is progressive. We have to walk in this which God has given us. God has given us a wide territory, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost like somebody giving you an acre of land in the middle of the woods, and, 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 and he's giving you a house there. And the, the land has been cleared, and the house is there. All you got to do is move in, but guess what? When the springtime rolls around, you're going to have to maintain it. If you don't maintain it, the grass is going to grow up, the poison ivy is going to creep in, and after a while, the, the, the environment, the woods, is going to take the house that God's given you. You have got to maintain that which God has given you. You've got to be a good care, care keeper of what God has given you. That's sanctification, walking in that which God has given us. At a given point in time in your walk with God, some sooner than others, you want to work for the Lord and you come to realize, I'm just not getting a whole lot done, I need something, I need some help. You're asking God to give you power for service. Lord, I want to work for you. Lord, I need a little something. It is there for us today. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers you to work for Him. 
in his service. It is an anointing. It is a moving of the Spirit above and beyond what you got when you got saved. This is what Elisha was asking for, although it was under the Old Testament. The man was already saved. His faith was in the sacrifice. But when it come time to serve the Lord, to do a work for him, he recognized that he needed an anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. And that's what he asked God for. Give me a double portion, and God gave it to him. He served in the ministry for 66 years. And as the miracles begin to pile up, the Holy Spirit... When we look over the life of Elijah, the Holy Spirit through Elijah performed 16 miracles. With Elisha, before he died, he performed 31 miracles. He was one miracle short of the double portion for which he asked questions why wouldn't the lord give him just one more miracle before he died now the lord did give him that last miracle but it was after he died i just read it to you when we started the service today but why did the lord have to wait to after he died to give it to him next question Why couldn't that last miracle have been a healing for Elisha? Have you ever thought about it? I want to answer that last question first. There are certain sects of Christianity today that believe and teach that if you have enough faith, you will never be sick. You will never have any more problems. It's all going to be downhill with the wind at your back. You'll never have another problem. And those out there who do have these issues, Christians who are sick, Christians who are driving a car that's over 10 years old, You just don't have the faith that we have. Your faith is not up here where it ought to be. In other words, let's let's get on down to where it's at now. If you go by that line of thinking, Elisha was sick because he didn't have enough faith. I don't think so. That teaching, ladies and gentlemen, is not of God. Matter of fact, let me tell you something. If you are driving a car that's over 10 years old, you do have faith, my friend. And especially if it's got over 250,000 miles on it like mine has. Okay? My friend, that's faith. That's faith. Some of you got more faith than I have. But that teaching's not of God. But yet thousands tune into it and listen to it every week, and they send thousands and thousands of dollars to this. Let me tell you, the only ones really getting rich are the preachers proclaiming this, this stuff. Let me tell you this. 
just because you're saved, filled with the Spirit, speaking tongues, got gifts of the Spirit, maybe you're a preacher preaching to thousands of people, just because you're in that position, that does not make you exempt from the vicissitudes of life. Okay? You're not exempt from the sorrows of the fall. Matter of fact, God said to Eve right after the fall, Genesis 3.16, He said, In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. That's more than just the pains of birth. How many mothers and fathers, parents, how many parents have been filled with sorrow because of the choices that their children have made? Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, you all know that story. Cain killed Abel. The sorrow of that. God told Adam, cursed is the ground for thy sake, verse 17, in sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. He said, thorns and thistles shall it Bring forth to thee, and you'll eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall you eat bread. How many have worked all their lives saving up money for retirement for the rainy day? And as I stand before you today and preach this message, it is 2024. Four years ago, they had a nice little nest egg built up, ready for retirement. But when the election was stolen away four years ago and everything went to pot, and inflation went through the roof, now they had to use that nest egg in order to get by. And now that nest egg ain't what it used to be because of certain events that took place. Sorrow. You buy a new car and you're happy and you go in the store and you come back out and somebody's opened the door into it, put a big old dent in the side of it, and sorrow. Or you have a wreck and total the thing and the insurance company won't pay out like they ought to. Or you work all year and you're like, whoo, man, God was good, God blessed. It's like Christmas time. Santa Claus has come. That's all right. Santa Claus may come on the 25th, but April the 16th, the old Grinch is coming. I said, the old Grinch is coming in sorrow. Just because you're saved and filled with the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit and may be called to preach, that does not make you exempt. From sorrow and problems, we're going to have these issues. Now, I believe in divine healing. I believe that healing is in the atonement. Isaiah 53 verse 5, the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I believe that 
you as a child of God, when you sin, when you slip and fall, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As you go before the Lord every day and you say, Lord, please forgive me. If there's anything I've done in your sight that was not pleasing to you, please forgive me of that. Just as you go before the Lord every day and ask for that, you should also go before the Lord and ask Him for healing as it pertains to your physical body. It's in the atonement, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible even says that when you come together in a church service, he said in James 5, 14, I don't know if that screen is working. It's working. Good. He said, James 5, 14, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Every Sunday morning at the end of the service, I always give an altar call. That ain't just for sinners. That's for anybody that needs to come up here. All you got to do is walk up here and say, Brother James, I'd like to be anointed with oil and prayed over. And if we can find the oil, we'll, we'll pray over you. If there ain't none up here behind the pulpit, I got some in the back of the truck. 10W30. We will anoint you with oil and pray over you. 30 weight. Somebody said, I got some WD-40. It don't matter. <laughs> we will anoint you with oil, and we will pray over you and ask God to touch you and heal you. That's, I'm just telling you what the book said. You say, well, Brother James, our church just does not do that. We're not like that, Brother James. Well, that's your problem. That's why you're sick all the time. Do what the book says. Well, you say, well, Brother James, I've been up there and prayed over, and nothing happened. Well, don't quit. Don't stop. You keep pressing in. Well, I just don't want to make a spectacle of, my, of, my, of myself. Well, self is the problem. When you get down to it, self is the problem. You got to get over self. Then when you get over yourself, God will move and touch and heal you. You've got to humble yourself. It takes humility to get up in front of everybody and ask for help. Well, Brother James, I know some other folks that got prayed for and they died. If they were saved, then they got the ultimate healing. Are oh, you hearing me? They got the ultimate healing. Well, why do some get healed and others don't? I don't know. Why didn't the Lord heal Elisha of this sickness? The Bible says he died. I don't have the answers to that. I don't know why God moves the way he does. That's God's business. It's my business to tell you what the book says. It's our business to do what the book says. I let God take care of the healing and all of it. I ain't got no power to heal nobody, but I do have the power to do what the book says. And you have the power to believe what the book says and act on it. And God performs the miracles as he sees fit. Perhaps it was just his time to go. God's ways are above our ways. He knows more about things than we do. 
And you say, well, Elisha died. He was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. That, that's bad, Brother James. Well, you know, even, even in a bad situation, God knows how to make something good out of it. God used this situation with Elisha, his deathbed. God used it to save Israel. How is that? Well, the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, that Elisha was fallen sick of the sickness whereof he died. And King Joash, the king of Israel, came down to see him. Now, King Joash, he worshipped the gold calves. He was not of the same belief system that Israel was under. He was an ungodly king. But when he heard that Elisha was on his deathbed, he came to visit Elisha. See, the thing, what's unusual about this is that the, the prophet always went to see the king, not the king coming to see the prophet. Are you following me? God used this deathbed situation of Elisha to draw this ungodly king to Elisha. And while the king stood there in front of Elisha, Elisha prophesied of the Syrians coming and attacking Israel and told the king what to do, and the, and the country was saved. See, God knows how to use a bad situation, turn it around, and make something good out of it. Although at the time we're going through it, you say, Brother James, I'm going through, it, going through a funeral situation. I'm having to, God knows if you'll continue to trust him. Continue to serve him no matter what. You gotta trust the plan. You gotta trust the plan. He works all things for the good to those that love him and are to call according to his purpose. Even when it comes to death, God can turn it around and make something good out of it. If you don't believe what I'm saying, look at Jesus Christ. He died on Calvary. It looked like it was over. Oh, but Sunday was coming. On the third day, he rose up out of that grave and defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you and I are here today and saved because of it. Amen. Glory to God. We've got to trust the plan. But Elisha, although he was called into the ministry, served 66 years, had the double portion of the spirit that God gave him. When he died, he was still one miracle short. Why is that? Why did that miracle have to come after he died? Elisha had developed quite a following. His first miracle was the opening up of the Jordan River to walk across. And... 2 Kings 2, verse 15, the Bible says, When the sons of the prophets at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. They came to meet him, and they bowed themselves to the ground before him. Part of Elisha's ministry was to teach a school for the prophets. These schools were scattered around in different areas, which meant that he had to do a lot of traveling. He met a lot of people. So he had quite a few people who were following him. Let me say that there's nothing wrong with honoring a pastor. 
there's nothing wrong with honoring someone in the ministry for the work that they do. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I follow Christ. But there's a problem when we start worshiping these individuals. If you look there in 2 Kings 2, verse 15, the Bible says, latter part, they bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now, I realize that this was just a simple recognition of his leadership, but did it go too far? Does it go too far? Yes, it does. See, we got people today who say, well, you know, we got revival coming up. If we'll get this group to come in and sing, that'll draw a crowd. We'll have a revival. Brother James, if you get this preacher over here to come, oh, man, he know how to shell it down. We'll have a good revival if you bring this individual in and let them preach. I had a church to call me up to come preach revival for them one time. As soon as I took the pulpit, I told them, I said, I did not bring revival in my pocket. I don't have revival, people. I preach what the book says, but I cannot bring revival. No man can bring revival. No gospel singing group can bring revival. The only thing that will bring revival is if we do what the Bible says. In Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. When we humble ourselves before God, that is the key. To revival, not getting a certain preacher. We got people traveling all over the country today going to hear this preacher, that preacher. And that's all right if they're preaching the gospel. I, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of them are not preaching the gospel. They can draw a crowd, but they're not preaching the gospel. And they can do things and whatever and, and get the people all excited. But see, here's what you need to understand. Just because a person is emotionally titillated, that doesn't mean that they're spiritually edified. <laughs> did, did you hear what I said? I can, I can say and do things today to get you physically titillated, titillate the flesh, but, but that doesn't make you spiritually edified. But if I preach this book right here, you'll be spiritually edified. And when you preach this book right here, you're going to deal with sin, and you're going to deal with the solution to sin, which is the cross of Christ. And if you'll preach the cross, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Amen. Glory to God. That's what will draw a crowd. God does the drawing. God does the building of the church but let me tell you this God is not going to share his glory with anybody did you hear what I said God is not going to share his glory with anybody if there's going to be a revival if there's going to be a move of God if there's going to be a miracle God's going to be the one to receive all the praise and glory for it, not man. Not a gospel group, not a denomination, not a church or any other movement. God will get the glory for it. Could it be that the people of that day had exalted Elisha a little more than they should have 
because of the miracles. Is it possible? Could it be that that's the reason why he was one miracle short of the double portion for which he asked? Is that the reason why God waited a year after he died to give him one last miracle? You see, by God doing it this way, God gets all the glory for it, see? Because a dead man can't do anything. Only God can do that. Are you listening to me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Could it be that the reason why we fall short of the miracles that God has for us today is because we elevate other things more than we do God? We've got, we've got to get our focus on God and get our focus on the great preacher and the great gospel group and this methodology and that methodology and, and all of these church growth things. I get, I get sick to my stomach. I'm going through Facebook and I see this advertisement on there that says, Are you spending too much time? Preparing sermons for your congregation. Are you wasting too much time in sermon preparation when you can be doing other things that are more important? Listen to that. This is the advertisement now. Are you wasting too much time in sermon preparation? When you could be doing things that are more important to grow your church. Listen to that. There's nothing any more important than your study of the Word of God. There's no other job for the pastor to do that's any greater than to study this book and lay on his face before God and get the message that God has to give to the people. That's what God has called the man to do. Not get on the internet and try to find a book. Not try to find out how to grow the church from 20 to 200 or from 200 to 2,000. That is not my job. My job is to get in that prayer closet and seek God and study his word and ask God and don't come out of there don't stop seeking him till God has put something in my spirit and then I come out here on Sunday morning asking God to fill me with his spirit asking God to touch you with his spirit so when that word goes forth you can receive that word and you'll be edified you'll be charged up and when you go out there people will think you're absolutely crazy for Jesus Christ that's my job. And if I upset some of you, I'm sorry. There's the door. That's my job. The church today, there's too much focus on people and numbers. We are more interested in the presence of people than we are the presence of God. I love seeing your smiling faces here every Sunday. But if you show up or don't show up, that's not what makes my day. What makes my day is when God shows up. Are you hearing me? 
Are you hearing me today? When God shows up, that's what makes the service. And my friend, he said, whenever there's two or three gathered together, glory to God. Two or three. Why did he say two or three? Because he knew this day right here was coming. When there'd only be two or three coming to church. Why is that? Because all the rest of them sitting at home trying to watch the service over Facebook. That's like trying to... You, you you see a hamburger on the internet, and you say, hmm, I like look at that hamburger. I, th- I think I'm going to get me one of them, and you hit print. You're going to get the hamburger, but you ain't going to get the full effect of the hamburger. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's f- sitting at home watching the service on Facebook. You're hitting print. You're going to get it, but you ain't going to get the full effect of it. Glory to God. You need to come to church to get the full effect. You see, and by you staying at home, we're missing out on what you bring to the service. See, I, I, I really miss some of you when you don't show up. Some of you make a little, some of you make a little more noise than others. <laughs> some of you are very quiet. That's fine. Don't have a problem with that. But if y'all won't hear, I wouldn't have nobody to preach to. And believe me, it's aggravating when all you got to preach to is a microphone. I know what I'm talking about. A lot of you preachers out there know what I'm talking about. But when you don't come inside the service, come to the church for the service, we miss out on your participation. We miss out on your gift. We miss out on your testimony. We miss out. See, I get blessed when people get up and come forward at the end of the service and, and, and need a touch of God. We miss out on that. But the church is all about the numbers today. Entertaining the people. Sanding down the message. I asked the Lord the other day, I said, Lord... You see, when I get done with the service today and I go home this afternoon, I'm automatically seeking the Lord for next Sunday. I'm seeking the Lord for Wednesday night. I'm automatically thinking ahead to next Sunday. That's just the way I am. I I don't know if everybody's geared that way or not, but I'm seeking the Lord all week. Lord, what is it you want me to say? And I start to get a little nervous when Friday rolls around and the Lord hasn't given me anything. Especially when you do a series like we were trying to finish up today with Elisha. I'm trying not to drag it in next week because that'll be over a year and a half we've been studying Elisha. And I'm trying to get through this. And you're like, well, we're, we're, we're ready for you to get done with it, preacher. It's going on close to 11 o'clock. And <laughs> but sometimes the Lord waits right up to the last minute to give me something. Sometimes he waits right up to church service, and I'm standing right in front of you, and he gives me something. And I'm just in the flow of the Spirit, and I just say things, and I said something a few weeks ago, and a gasp went up from the congregation, and I I didn't realize it at the time until I went back and listened to it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I said that? I'm glad I went on vacation the following week. I won't hear. 
I thank God y'all came back. But he waits right up to the last minute to give me things sometimes. And I said, Lord, why do you do that to me? You know I hate that. He said, if I give it to you on Monday, you'll have it all messed up and you'll have it all sanded down and it will not have the effect that it has when I do this to you. And we got too many preachers today who are sanding it down and smoothing it down and not telling it like it is. And it does not have the effect because they download a message off the internet or some book or this one said do that and some other said, well, don't preach that preacher. You preach that now, we're going to have to cut your salary, we're going to have to cut your gas off. One church got rid of their pastor not long ago because all he would preach out of is the King James Version. It's pitiful, folks. It's pitiful what's happening out there today. All right, let's look at the miracle. Let's wrap this up. The Bible says, 2 Kings 13, verse 20, that Elisha died and they buried him. Josephus said that his funeral was magnificent. But about a year after the funeral... A band of Moabites invaded the land, and one of the men in that group died. And as they looked out on the horizon, they saw the enemy coming in. So they had to bury the man in a hurry. So they found this sepulcher, they found this tomb, and they just throwed him in there. And somehow when they throwed him in there in a hurry, his body touched the bones of Elisha and he revived and stood upon his feet. You're talking about a revival. <laughs> that, that's a revival, friend. <laughs> Glory to God. That's a revival, friend. Imagine that. I don't think we realize the magnitude of that. Let me help you with it. This man was a Moabite. He was born outside the covenant of God. This man, chances are, he was not saved. Chances are, when this man died, he went to hell. He died lost. But yet, when his body touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood upon his feet. My friend, let me tell you this today. If you die lost... If you die and go to hell, it's for eternity. Are you hearing me? If you die lost, if you miss it, you'll be there in hell forever and forever. But this man got a second chance. This man got a second chance because of the anointing that was on Elisha's life. It wasn't Elisha. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And God orchestrated the events so that this man could be saved from the flames of hell. Now do you see the magnitude of this miracle? It wasn't just that he was raised from the dead, but this man died. Chances are he died lost, and he was in hell. And if you die and go to hell, friend, you're there. There is no getting out. But this man got a second chance. Can you imagine what his testimony would have been? I can hear him now. I died, 
and I went to hell. And all of a sudden, I came back. God heard my prayer. You say, if people praying in hell, you better believe it, friend. There are no unbelievers in hell. Everyone down there is crying out to God for relief. And God brought this man back. He orchestrated the whole thing. And we look at it and we say, Elisha was one miracle short. But my friend, that was the greatest miracle of all. The salvation of a soul is the greatest miracle of all. Church, are we missing out? Are we coming short of miracles because we won't go before the Lord and ask Him for the anointing of the Spirit upon our lives? Number one. Number two, are we elevating preachers, singing groups, other things a little more than God? And that's why we are falling short in the miracles that God has for us. Just a little something to think about. today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.